0: And good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Harold H.B. Bell on Warpin Wolf Radio, the Cominient's Institute-sponsored program here every Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Radio TV at the Cool Group site. My brother, Dr. Mark Echo, is in the house, man, and we've got a show today. Uh, I think everyone needs to listen to as we move church into the 21st century. Yeah. How are you? Partner? Oh,
1: doing really good. Doing really good. We're really happy that we have uh, Keith and McKeel and John here with us today and these guys are church planters in and around Indianapolis and they're going to be talking with us today about uh, what they do and the kinds of uh, folks that they know and making connections around the city because what we
0: do here is find folks who are doing good and warping and wolf uh, weaving wisdom and knowledge yeah. in, a, in, a, in a clever kinda of way each yeah. and every Wednesday morning tell them about Comenius Institute sure. before we go to our musical interlude Ma.
1: yeah sure so, so Cominius is uh, John Amos Cominius famous Moravian pastor from the 15th, 16th century, and uh, this guy actually believed that women should be educated and that individuals should be educated uh, on the basis of who they were as human beings. Uh, He's a great understander of uh, education, how we ought to be thinking about young people and doing education. And Cominius is uh, the guy that I chose to be the representative for this institute, because we're really focused on education for the next generation, and our interest is specific to IUPUI, and our focus there is meeting people who are college students, Christians coming in to IUPUI, and making the connection and the bridge for them, so that they can maintain their Christian belief system in the midst of a public university.
0: And let's get our promo in right now because we know that we're trying to raise some dollars to create uh, uh, more awareness, uh, better visual aids, um, the tools of technology. All of that. Talk about what we're trying to do, Mark. So
1: $5,000 we need to uh, not only uh, make it through the end of our fiscal year, June 30, but we are specifically going to retool our internet site, CominiusInstitute.org, so that Uh, students from around the nation from around the world for that matter can drop in anonymously uh, post their ideas their questions their concerns the things they are hearing on the college campus and I'll be able to directly uh, interact with those folks every single time they pop up so this is
0: something that'll broaden the opportunities for communities going forward well then we're going to take a short break as we always do enlightening you with some of this great music that I play. That's right. And uh, then we're going to come <laughs> back and talk about church planning here in the metropolitan area of Indianapolis. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove Side at Radio Next dot Radio Next. TV on the Cool Groove site. We are in house today with oh man, church planning is on <laughs> the smorgasbord of information that we are trying to convey uh, to this community on Warp and Wolf Radio. Dr. Mark, um, this is interesting topic, matter yeah. because we've been you know we've been uh, surfing the the, the neighborhoods of gentrification we've mm-hmm. been talking about uh religious in the twenty uh, religion in the twenty first we've had all these topics, but this is one I think that we need to really pay attention to uh due to the fact that traditional churches and those walls are mm-hmm. if we want to effectively reach people and make Christians <laughs> out of some of these people out here, we have to do things different yeah so, absolutely uh, when when this topic came about, I was interested because of I know church planning in another form. Uh, in the community that I live in, and it's mm. like building these mega churches, mm-hmm. and this is totally against that concept. This is okay. Where are the people, and how do we build church right there? Yeah. So, uh, take yeah. it away, partner.
1: Yeah, man. So we're uh, we're in house here with pastors Bowden, Doan, and Owens, and uh, these guys are going to educate us about church planting today. <laughs> uh, and they're all laughing because uh, they are all all recent church planting people. So it's not like these guys have been at it for a long time, but that's why I invited them on the show, because I want their specific interests, uh, where they're at in Indianapolis, and the focus, of course, from Titus 3 is to do good, and that's what we're after here in the show. So I'd like to go around the table. Uh, we'll start here with Keith, uh, Keith Doan, and just go around the table. Give us a brief uh, background, who you are, your, your uh, personal life, your family, and so on, where you're planting your church, the location of your plant. And then we'll take off with some
2: questions after that. All right. Well, thanks, Mark, and thanks, HB, for for having us. And um, yeah, we're my wife and I, Susan. We've uh, we're uh, been in, in Indianapolis and in Fishers and Noblesville for almost 15 years. And so we are planting in Noblesville, which is in Hamilton County. where uh, we moved there with our family. We have three three children, and we moved there in August. And um, you know, Noblesville is an interesting community. It's in it, many ways, it's a suburb, but it's also got a very unique, mm. uh, unique identity. It's been around a uh, generation ago. Noblesville would have been way out from Indianapolis, and now it's <laughs> just another suburb. It's a, it's a growing suburb. So there's a mix of people who've grown up there, whose parents were there, whose grandparents were there. They go way back. They know everybody. And then there's a large segment of the population uh, that's just moving in. So Noblesville, um, their population has probably doubled within the last 20 years. It's, wow. it's going to continue on that pace, or at least mm. that's what they're projecting. And so there's a really significant lack mm. of churches there. And there's some very good, solid churches. But uh, as a community grows, you need new schools and new mm. restaurants and new everything, and that includes churches. And, mm. and in many ways, that's lagged behind all the other growth. And mm. so we are planting a church called Living Branch Church. We are uh, meeting every Sunday morning. We're, we're heading towards what we call public worship. <laughs> so right now what we're doing is um, developing a culture and a philosophy and values and uh, just building a ministry team. And we've got about 65 folks or so, 60, 65 folks on a Sunday. And um, it's it's been a fun ride. Uh, times a difficult ride, but wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm.
1: We're glad you're here to offer your perspective on this. Thanks so much Thanks. for doing that. Absolutely. McKeel, uh, tell us about uh, your background, your personal life, uh, family, and where
3: you're planting. Sure. Um, I grew up in uh, Michigan. My wife's from California, so we're, neither of us <laughs> is uh, Indianapolis natives, um, but we've been here in the Indiana, uh, Indianapolis area uh, down in Shelbyville for seven years. Uh, I was an associate pastor at a church down there, and uh, honestly, I, church planting was the last thing on my mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, God has a has a unique way of of taking us down paths that we we never would have chosen for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, my wife and uh, and our two or three children we have two boys and then a girl. Uh, they're all in middle school. Uh, we we got moved to Zionsville, right outside uh, of Indianapolis, another suburb similar to Noblesville, kind of the opposite shoulder of the city. Mm. Um, and some similar characteristics mm-hmm. Zionsville is growing very very rapidly um, there's there's a desire to kinda keep a small town feel and, and it's it's a very uh, desirable place for people to to move into but um, but they're trying to figure out how to do that in a way that doesn't change the character of the of the city so there's a lot of pride of place and and um, it's just you know trying to figure out how to reach people who are are very um, excited about who they are and where they are in life uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know just trying to uh, speak to the fact that, you know, below the, the veneer of having everything put together, there's still that, that deep need, mm. um, which uh, many of us don't know is is a, is a need for God. Yeah. So um, we got moved just in time for my kids to, to go to school. Uh, they're all at Zionsville West Middle School. And um, so we've, our church is uh, just getting started. We're currently meeting in our home. Uh, we've got a core team of about uh, 10 adults and uh, over a dozen kids when everybody shows up, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you're playing zone defense so, yes, out there. Aren't you? Yes, we are. Getting getting the basement renovated was a was a major need once uh, the weather started getting getting rough. Mm-hmm. Um, so our our focus is really trying to reach our neighborhood. Uh, we're doing a missional uh, community missional cell model, and so uh, we're trying to figure out how to reach our neighbors, figure out where they are already doing life, and join them in what they're doing. Um, bring the gospel to them. Uh, we'll, we're hoping that by um, September, we can have uh, a weekend gathering, uh, but the focus of that's still going to be just kind of training and equipping, uh, encouraging the believers, and reminding them, hey, you know, the mission field's out there. We need to get out. And, that's great. Uh, win yeah. people for Christ.
1: That's great, Michael. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. And John, uh, you are in a whole different demographic now.
4: Yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, one, it's a great honor to be here with these guys, and appreciate you, Mark, and HB having having me join uh, the table. Um, so I grew up uh, in Old North Side. I grew up downtown Indianapolis, and um, just love the city. Um, this is this is really home. My family's from here. Uh, came from a big family, the oldest of seven, and uh, spent most of my time of, uh, when I uh, was growing up either in Hallville or in Old North Side or on the near East Side. And through that, got to be a part of a really unique uh, church. Uh, church dynamic when I was a kid in the Hallville area that really left uh, a deep mark in my soul you know Mm -hmm. it was a church that had it was multi-ethnic to the core black white Hispanic Filipino uh, very missions focused Mm -hmm. and missions oriented and so that kind of I got bit early with that, and um, as I got older, um, I moved for a short time when I was 20 to Nashville and, and had been a part of some different ministries, helping with church planning, but God really gave me a burden to come back to the city, and so thankfully, last uh, about two years ago is when the Lord finally gave me the release to come back and build here, and we knew, my wife and I moved back with our, we have six children, a little girl that's in heaven, but Five that are here, five boys, one girl, and we moved uh, with a three-month-old back. uh, It it was just a crazy season. It Mm. was like... A uh, pastor friend told me, he said, Johnny he said, people are going to tell you church planning is hard. And he said, they're liars. It's a near death experience. <laughs> uh, so then you, you know, as uh, I think it, it was a comedian once said, if you want to know what it's like to have five children, imagine that you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. I said, well, <laughs> we decided we we're going to plan a church and then we have a baby, uh, five of them. So we came here in July and really with the heart to see uh, God do something um, that can. Uh, that to to not to reproduce what had been done before but to be able to step forward and say okay here in 2016 2017 how can we see god do something have a multi ethnic church within the 465 boundary and specifically when we um knowing what god had put in us as far as the burden to have a church that was multi ethnic multi generational and socio economically diverse when we looked at the demographics i mean really the epicenter or the fault line so to speak of a lot of those divisions was in broad ripple mm-hmm. and so that's why we wanted to be there we feel like mm-hmm. the lord called us to to be within 465 not just not exclusively re only reaching that but that there's something about being within the city and demonstrating that diversity there mm-hmm. um, that, that god's put a burden in us so we're excited about it we uh, had about we relocated. we actually came here from a church that launched us from Jacksonville, Florida. We had about 14 people that relocated from the beaches of Jacksonville to the wonderful crisp winter <laughs> of the Midwest. <laughs> and uh, so we started meeting in our home in September and we just
0: officially launched two weeks ago. That's great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. These are three great stories, HB. Absolutely. And uh, you know one of the questions that I have by listening is uh, uh, the traditional church. For instance, this is outside those walls of the traditional church. Uh, how do uh, the churches in the areas where you go to plant uh, perceive you when you come in? Uh, I mean, because really, at, at the end of the day, from what I've been watching, the traditional church has been transformed into kind of a business model versus a saving lives model and trying to really exchange, you know, why Christ was here and why he died. And uh, it, Just to me, as a, yep. as a simple mm-hmm. Christian, yep. how, do, how do you uh, deal with that? At, or is there anything to do with in the neighborhoods that you yeah. go plant
2: your churches in? Jump we've, in. We've been really well received. When we started uh, last summer, we were looking for space to meet on a Sunday and we approached one of the, lar- the probably the largest evangelical church um, and we offered to, to rent space from them. We had a little bit of money. When they found out what we were doing, they said, we'll give you what we have. We're not gonna charge you anything. Awesome. We want you here. Hmm. Our space is your space. Hmm. Um, you know, don't, you don't need to pay us anything. We moved from from that space to a, a small, uh, really kind of Pentecostal church. Uh, we were meeting there Sunday morning. They were using the space Saturday night. They were thrilled to have mm-hmm. us. Uh, we outgrew that. We've moved into a, a Christian school. They're thrilled to have us. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the neighborhood we live in. We have several folks within a couple of streets who are you know, worship directors or assistant pastors at churches, and, and they couldn't be more thrilled. So it's mm-hmm. been... Our experience has been very positive. Great, um, great.
3: Yeah, like like Kevin, we've been well received as well, um, and I think part of it is because these areas are growing so rapidly. There's a there's a recognition that there's a need beyond what any church can accomplish on their own. I mean, in the three mile radius of, of my home, there are thirty thousand people, um, and and two years ago, the you know the, the neighborhood or the the mire and and Lowe's in front of our neighborhood weren't even there. So I mean, this place is growing like crazy. And, um, you know, we've got some great churches around that, are, that have, you know, multiple thousands of people to them, but they're still just a drop in the bucket when you think of 30,000 people, 70 to 80 percent of which mm. attend nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've gone around and talked to the, the local pastors and said, look, I love what you guys are doing, but there are people who you know are never going to come to your church. Uh, and, and my goal is to find where they're where they're living and and come alongside them and show them the kingdom. Um, and I, so I'm I'm not trying to reach people who are attending someplace else. I want to meet people who who have have no church value whatsoever. Mm. So we've heard from Keith, McKeel, John. Yeah, I mean,
4: well, one I would say it's actually one of the things I've been praying uh, before I came back was for divine partnerships with other churches. Mm. I mean, if if we really have a heart to see the city changed and one— we have to, unless we're just completely de- delusional, understand that it's going to be the body of Christ that's going to reach that. So we're going to have to work together. And so i would really been praying that. And God, fortunately, he allowed me to connect with, uh, you know, other guys who had planted within the last, you know, six, seven years, like uh, Brandon Shields or um, Josh Hoosman, who's pastor of Mercy Road Church, and then also another guy who planted recently Hope City Church. Uh, and really connecting with guys who— had that like heart to see multiple churches be planted in the city uh, because they really, it, 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 they're about building the kingdom of God, not building their own individual uh, There's the, the difference. There oh, it is. Now we open that, that. Yeah. Know, so. can. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one thing I do want to say, though, is because I think that it's important, I think the tendency can be, um, in, in our various differences, when we talk about traditional church, we put labels on different things. You know, I've got five kids right now. Now, when I had one child, there was a lot more spontaneous, organic, just happenstance interaction that happened because we had one kid. I got five kids now, so if I'm going to have focused, intentional, life-giving time with them, I have to be more organized. I have to have more structure and things. I think that sometimes when we talk about larger churches, the truth is as you grow, if you're going to facilitate life-giving environments – there has to be certain levels of organization and intentionality that happen to -hmm. facilitate that. I mean, even, I mean, I think all of us in, whatever phase we are, I mean, when we had, when we landed and we had 14 people come with us and I've got five kids, I immediately was like, gosh, we we already have a small church that if I don't think of how do we delegate our time and intentionalize and be intentional about things that, that will be overwhelmed and my Mm -hmm. kids will be, Left high and dry, my wife will be embittered, my people will be not pastors, And so that's why I think that all of these churches that are growing, thankfully, they started
5: mm-hmm.
4: at one point in the same place we were. And, mm-hmm. and by God's grace, you know, we don't know how many God will allow us sure. each to steward that we will, you know, be able to both not not ever lose sight of the reason mm-hmm. that we are organized or the mm-hmm. reason that we are, you know, building is to reach people and love people and bring the gospel.
1: H.P., I, you know, the— issues that we're hearing here, one of the things that stands out is that these guys are not competitive. I mean, they're not trying to one-up each other about things. They're actually caring about people. How about that? This, uh, <laughs> which which is
0: the true essence of church. And, you know, one of the major things as we talk about this each and every week, Mark, is how do we uh, galvanize neighborhoods again? And this will be, I think, the seed to plant mm-hmm. that will make neighbors yeah. feel like they have ownerships in their neighborhood again. Now, a lot of times, yeah. you and no knock on the guys who built the churches that have, you know, 10 15,000 yeah, members. No, not at all. But most of those people aren't even from that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got people that are driving 15, 20 miles into a church. who right. could care less about the three-mile radius that you're speaking of. Yeah. And if we yeah. have a way... To galvanize communities again, and neighborhoods again, mm-hmm. and have people feel pride and ownership in their neighborhood, mm-hmm. this is going to be one of the
1: reasons. Sounds basically like yeah. what you're all about, HP. All
0: community, all the time. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that's what We talking about man? Seriously, yeah. we're going to be agents in this fight. Mm-hmm. We have to have this. We have yeah. to have this if we want people to take ownership and stakeholder. You know, have these stakeholders in their communities. So yep. I'm loving this. I'm That's loving great. This.
1: That's great. Well, we're going to continue the discussion, and one of the things that makes me interested in what we're uh, the next step maybe to talk about is the issue of demographics. Um, you are all planting in such different communities. This as absolutely fascinating to me. So, tell us a little bit about the demographic makeup of where you guys are at. What challenges that might that might give you that you face and then of course the positives the benefit of this going forward What whoever wants to jump in
2: yeah for us you know noblesville is a community that really is centered around families and so i, I think kind of picking up what what, the, what these other guys you know our kids outnumber the adults mm-hmm. and that's that's a tremendous blessing because mm-hmm. what i believe is that when you're you know high school college age that's the season of life when your your heart is open you're you're asking the big questions you mm. have time to to both make mistakes and fix those mistakes and you're open to to people inputting in your life um, the challenge of that is it's it's busy mm. you know it's, it's, <laughs> it's busy with our own family yeah um, it's busy with uh with the responsibility of taking care of those children within the mm. church, but I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Mm, that's great. That's great.
3: Yeah, I'd, as I alluded to earlier, we the north Side of Indianapolis tends to be a more affluent area, and um, so you get a lot of people there that are they're kind of looking for the ideal place to settle. And the thing, that, the real challenge then is how do you how do you help people? are chasing the American dream, mm. um, realize that there's there's more to life than that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very much uh wanting to communicate that they've got everything together. And so you gotta walk this line of meeting them where they're at and yet not compromising the fact that we serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, mm-hmm. and his only way of accepting us is complete surrender. Mm-hmm, so yeah. there's no there's no being good enough mm-hmm. to, to, to reach uh his his uh his level. Mm-hmm. You just have to lay down all your efforts and Mm. so you know that that's not a popular thing in our culture Uh, and it's especially not popular on the north side so you know that there are some inherent struggles yeah to meet people where they're at and yet uh you know go deeper
4: yeah absolutely uh so one of my pastors uh he once said uh he said john he said multicultural uh, church building is a contact sport. He <laughs> said, if you don't bring a helmet, you're probably going to get a concussion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but, but that's really the burden that we have. And when we look at the demographics of Broad Ripple, I mean, you really have a lot of different things, especially when you look at the whole of that area. It's very unique. I mean, you have uh, particularly more like along the traditional Broad Ripple Avenue kind of area. You've got a lot of college students are coming over from Broad from Butler University, uh, you've got young marriage, young professionals, um, kind of a very artsy and eclectic demographic. But then at the same time, you have some really, you know, old school folks that have been in Broad River for a long time. You know, that, <laughs> that you know, like particularly there's the Broad Ripple United Methodist Church. A lot of the people that are the, the core congregation, I mean, they that church was built in 1952 so they've been there the <laughs> last they're, they're, of the neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah seriously but then also so you have you know in some of these neighbors especially in that area you've got these really nice condos and apartments that are being built but you start going south in the broader area, and there's just places where all of a sudden, if you go on a nice long walk, you, you might not know where you were.
5: Mm-hmm. And
4: and so where God has given us this burden is to see, you know, particularly it just grieves us, uh, grieves my, my heart and I know my wife to that today in, in 2017 that Sunday is still the most segregated day of the week. Mm-hmm. And when we see all of the tensions and all of the anger and all the vitriol that's out there, too often because of our makeup as the church on a Sunday morning, we've lost really a lot of uh, authority to speak on these Mm. topics. And that's where we've been looking and really, rather than, we know there's going to be all kinds of cultural clashes that are going to just take time and conversations Mm -hmm. and relationships to build. But what we want to build on is in, in Ephesians, it talks about a new race where it's not just Jew and Gentile. I mean, Paul was having a very unique but similar situation where he's trying to get these two different groups who are now one under the blood of Jesus to work together is to say, "You know what? we might not be agree on this and this and this." But let's come together under the banner of the blood of Jesus mm. and under the cross. And, and that's really our hope here uh, with Broad report.
0: That's great. H.B., it sure sounds like these guys care a lot. What do you I, think? I care tremendously. And then, you know, he starts talking about Paul and you know, trying to explain something. To, mm-hmm. You know, explain being Paul. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just I'm a bootleg minister on the side. But I'm serious. You know, that guy trying to get that message must have been real difficult. Mm, so, yeah. Uh, as I say all the time, man, when we look back in our Bible and see some of the trials and tribulations uh, that Jesus faced and some of the ways that Paul and John and all these, you know, the people that are talked about in our Bible, mm-hmm. man, if we don't get our helmet on, like you said, and get ready to get out there, we're not worthy mm-hmm. of the of the position, I don't mm-hmm. think, uh, because mm-hmm. it's going to be a challenge, yeah. and it mm-hmm. will be uh, a ridicule and scorn, so mm-hmm. be prepared.
1: Yeah, yeah we are, we are uh, in a battle that is not just a physical, earthly battle, but it is a spiritual battle. The emphasis in Ephesians, all the way through Ephesians, is the same that we battle not against flesh and blood, yeah. but against principalities and powers, which is really huge. I am I, really fascinated to go a little bit deeper on the demographic side of this, and I've, I just want to hit some of the ideas that I've heard you guys talk about individually in our meetings. Uh, Keith, in Noblesville, uh, we know for sure that one of the greatest influxes in your community is immigrants. Mm -hmm. And I would like you to talk about that at some point. McKeel, you have have mentioned the idea that Zionsville is a very rich community, but Zionsville is also bringing in some very unique new manufacturing jobs and so on. And so the whole demographic of Zionsville is changing in some of those areas, especially on 65 going north. Uh, You've got new communities popping up and working class people are are really now investing in Zionsville. And John, you've already identified some of the issues that you're facing and some of the uh, cross-generational but cross-cultural connections that you're making. So I want you all to go a little bit deeper on the demographic side and talk about Uh, Keith, for instance, I I know that you've talked to me in the past about the idea that 60 plus percent of folks in Fishers, let's say, for instance, have a BA or BS or more, and 49 or something less in Noblesville have that same degree. Talk about some of the things that make up these demographics for your communities where you're at.
2: Well, you know, I think when we talk about just, you know, John kind of alluded to some of the challenges, um, you know, Noblesville Probably historically has largely been a white community and that's that's changing we're seeing a lot of immigrants um, you know so, some Hispanic but also mm-hmm. from the Middle East all over really mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I lived in Fishers for a number of years and as you alluded to there's a, a sense where most people in, in Fishers are white collar college educated and that's certainly true in Noblesville as well but not to the same extent and mm-hmm. so there's really um, a lot of socio-economic Uh, differences and Mm. uh, to me it's exciting it's Mm. uh, it's a fuller picture of the way God's world is is created and and um, I think when you it's possible to live in a community and forget what else is out there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think as a community is more diverse Mm. and that diversity can can look a number of different ways the community becomes stronger because it's it's more of a reflection of God's God's world and God's creation a little bit of yeah we're seeing that in Noblesville yeah you you know it's it's it is a mix
1: a little bit of Revelation 5 going on there just a little bit (laughs) that's good that's good well we've and you of course know that we've had Carmen uh, Howell on the show Talking about uh, her ESL program and so on. Really very powerful stuff here, and, and the emphasis for uh, immigrants going into Noblesville, I think, has is, is a bright future. And yeah. when you, I think well, about your church.
2: Well, we encourage, you know, what I encourage people is you have to have your eyes open. It's mm. possible to move in your paths in a community and not really see people yeah. because you tend to go to the same stores or you, you, you move in the same lanes. And, uh, you know, the challenge for me is to. To see what God sees, mm-hmm. and that's, in, you know, with, with a busy church and a busy family, that's that's not always easy. Yeah,
3: that's right. That's right. Yeah, I can really relate to that. That that sense, you know, I've heard people in Zionsville talk about uh, people who've grown up there talk about the Zionsville bubble. You know, mm-hmm. it used to be very easy to just feel like you were isolated and and you know, life was very controlled and kind of easy and and, uh, and now we're seeing that kind of be challenged as, as we see more diversity coming. And I, I personally think that's a good thing. Yeah. And I would like to see that diversity um, uh, expanded. So in Boone County, we have a real juxtaposition because uh, Zionsville is, is, is very affluent Lebanon, the county seat, is is very um, industrial and and farming oriented, mm-hmm. and then you got Whitestown where they have you know a lot of distribution, they have Amazon distribution center and a lot of other manufacturing and and whatnot, and some of it's just become a huge bedroom community for people who are who are you know uh, commuting into downtown Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so incredibly diverse, and and one of the things that I feel like God's laid on my heart is to try to bring the the pastors from these different areas mm-hmm. together to be praying for each other and praying for our community. Um, and so i 'm really excited that we 've got a group of guys from Zionsville, Whitestown, and Lebanon who are going to start meeting together on a monthly basis to pray together and just I believe that when we when we intertwine our hearts together, God will bring out of that things that will help the community things that mm. will help us to to minister and to to break down some of those barriers and build bridges between the different demographics that 's great, great John, you want to add
4: yeah um, you know as I was telling you, you know you have uh, particularly when you when, when all of the demographic research, whether it was economic, educational, ethnicity, um, homes uh, with single parent homes and, and, and the like, it was almost like if you were to put a, a pin in Broad Ripple and then, you know, extend that, maybe have like a two, three-mile radius. If you just drew a line through 56th Street, <laughs> pretty much, you know— the education level, the socio socioeconomic level, went up as you went north mm. and went down as you went south. Mm-hmm. I mean, it couldn't have been any clear thing. And and I think it can easily in in that dynamic, what happens so often in our culture and you guys experience as well in Noblesville and Zionsville on different level. I mean, the ethnic diversity it's a big one, but it's not the only diversity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of class right. warfare that goes on. And yeah. and mm-hmm. I think that one of the issues is. In, is is in our perception. And that's really what our heart is to come at is, you know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in the old north side. It was very different when I grew up in it than what it is now. You know, it's like I, I, I say now old north side is like the poster child for gentrification. Mm. and And I've seen so many people talk about revitalizing our neighborhoods, revitalizing our neighborhoods and really – in some ways, it's almost become code for let's get the poor folk out of there mm-hmm. and restore the
5: homes. Mm-hmm.
4: And that really burdened my heart because, you know, when when I would, you know, I, I went to, uh, grew up there because of different circumstances. how so my grandmother ended up going to school at Lawrence Central High School. And so I had a very kind of diverse perspective. And I would have friends that would come and visit me and say, hey, John, we're doing a, uh, inner city outreach. Mm. Uh, My church is doing an inner city outreach. We're a block away from your house. (laughs) (laughs) And it it used to always, you know, it would trip me out because, you know, they come and and they were nice people, well-intentioned people, Mm -hmm. but they came and there was this perception Mm. that these people down here Mm. need us. Mm -hmm. And then they would, they do that and they leave. But they never thought we need those people, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's where from from my heart is to help us to see, you know what, God created us all in his image. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at each other, if we can get away from seeing uh, tax status, if we can get away from seeing ethnicity, although I think ethnicity, I think we should appreciate and value. I, I, I don't agree with the whole colorblind myth. I think God created mm-hmm. color, yeah. and it's not that we ignore it, but we learn how to value it mm-hmm. and honor it mm-hmm. and appreciate it. And if we can do that now... I believe that we can do something that is so often absent where it's like, you know what?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I don't, you know, if, if whether you have much or less, we still loved and valued. and How mm-hmm. do we work together to build our community? Mm-hmm.
1: It sounds like you're all dealing with uh, class in a different way. And it makes me think that uh, the emphasis in the Bible is not so much on ethnic difference but on issues concerning class difference. Uh, So much of Scripture teaches about the issues of poverty Mm -hmm. and the poor and how we are responsible for those folks. And, of course, that's God's heart, and these guys are all dealing with it right where they're at.
0: Well, we're going to take a short break, but uh, as we go, I always like to use some poetry, and I say, what would art be without color? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Oh, sure. radio Love it. TV on the cool Groups, time <laughs> ma echo your son your son your son <laughs> call him after the show and please <laughs> let him know man this is a beautiful topic mm. that we're sharing today. Uh, one that is much needed as we try to develop Christians in our community. Uh, that should be the quest, and that's what I'm hearing here, Mark. Is yeah. The passion to say, okay, we had to share uh, the the word of Christ um, as it was exposed in the Bible, and too many times we start building our own agenda around those words instead of just living straight through those words. And uh, what we're talking about is community. We're talking about uh, uh, no color mm-hmm. uh, with color. You know, mm-hmm. I'm serious. You know, uh, equality. Yeah, how we love each other, how we should love one another, man. This is yeah. a great topic.
1: So. It is a wonderful thing, and I I wanted to jump back f- uh, from our last segment. We talked about demographics and poverty and so on, and <laughs> some of the interconnected uh, interconnections that are going on in, in communities. And uh, it struck me as you were just kind of you know leading into this segment, you know, and I, I don't think I asked you guys this question. So here we go. We're just going to launch into a different direction here. Uh, how do y'all preach to these? groups that you have here how do you begin to think differently about i'm preaching in noblesville i'm preaching in zinesville i'm preaching in broad ripple uh the folks that are coming to hear me or i'm planning to have this event or these (coughs) folks here whatever going on how do you guys do that how do you do the preaching thing
3: We're not really to the point where I'm I'm preaching per se on a regular basis, but one of the biggest things that uh, that I'm focusing on with my core team right now is is just the the need to to make disciples who can make disciples. And and the way that Jesus did it is a perfect example. Um, He didn't go to the institution and, and invite people to to join him at the temple he he went and found where people were at and he found them wherever they happened to be and however diverse and however far from God in mm-hmm. fact he said i I'm, I'm a doctor I came to the sick not to the healthy mm-hmm. so you know that's why he developed a reputation for being a glutton and a drunkard we know it wasn't because he had a, a problem with with sin mm-hmm. it's because that's who he hung out with mm-hmm. and uh, and so what I talk to my people about is is just you guys we need to we need to go to where people are and find out, you know, where they're comfortable. We're the missionaries. We're the ones who uh, serve an incarnational God who are supposed to connect with people in their comfort, their comfort level, rather than asking them to come into where we're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of it is just figuring out, you know, wherever people happen to be, um, whatever they happen to be struggling with, whether, whether they're rich or poor, whatever their nationality, um, we we serve a God who who made all of that mm-hmm. and who came to redeem all of that and who connects with everyone where they are, um, and so so we go with him.
2: Yeah, that's great. You know, I, I think I'm struck by whether you're preaching out of the Old Testament, uh, New Testament Gospels, wherever you are, you know, the culture in which those books were written, it, it's different. It's mm-hmm. 2,000, 3,000 years ago, it, you know, it. it People that were quite different from us, but the human heart's the same. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things I'm—we worked through the book Colossians, and was written to a small church in a very <laughs> different place in a very different time. But the issues are almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. The way the issues manifest themselves are different, mm-hmm. but the human heart has not changed from day one. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of the scriptures: is it is it cuts through all of the surface, all of the external ways that are. Our sin presents itself and it goes straight to the heart. Mm. And so I think whether you're teaching or preaching, whatever community, it's going to (coughs) probably on the outside look maybe a little different, but it's going to end up in the same place Mm. that our human heart uh, is broken Mm. and Mm. is only fixed by the one who created it. Mm. And that's that's the the eternal nature of God's word. And it's a great comfort to know that that's not changing. Yeah. There you go.
4: Yeah, I think um, I was encouraged. I was reading a book by the uh, late minister, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he was asked a similar question. And I'm paraphrasing, but he was essentially asked, you know, how do you preach to both, you know, the servant and the master? How do you speak, you know, preach to the to the wet nurse and, and you speak to the lady and the Lord? And And he said, really, the thing is to remember that every person, it doesn't matter how wealthy they are, how little they have, they all have the same problem, the same Mm -hmm. problem is sin. Mm -hmm. And they all have the same answer, and the same answer is the gospel of Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. And I think specifically one of the key sins, I feel like, is is pretty universal and consistent is idolatry. Mm -hmm. You know, as we make idols, we are an idol-worshiping people, whether it's worshiping ourselves or worshiping so many things. And, And, you know, as I mentioned before, I've been just spending a lot of time in Ephesians and... As I was studying that culture, you know that that mm-hmm. Ephesus was known for its idol worship you know many put much of the uproar when you look at uh Paul visiting uh in Acts you know was the fact that people as a result of the gospel were burning their idols and throwing away their magic books, and it was disrupting the idol making industry uh and and they really you know it was that it just caused this uproar and I look at um our culture now and it's it's really You know, how many different things have we made God, whether it's our health, Mm. whether it's Mm. our finances, our education, our, you know, our cause, whatever that cause is. Uh, I think that there's a lot of causes that we've elevated above the gospel. I think that's not right. Uh, And so I think as much as we can um, missionally look at the people and say, God, you know, who, who, you know, I'm sure these guys, you know, hearing their heart. You know, you're not just preaching to a blob. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're preaching to specific people. You're preaching to the single mother of three yeah. with a kid with autism who's trying to figure out how to get by. You're mm-hmm. preaching to uh, the businessman, you know, who mm-hmm. is trying to figure out uh, how to maybe a rough year and is trying to figure out whose benefits have to be cut to yeah. make yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And and all of them are really saying, you know,
0: I I, I need a supplier. I need Jesus. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Yeah, H.B., you look like you're excited about... No, I am excited because I I think this is kind of in the same direction that I'm I'm always speaking on about how we speak sometimes to deaf ear and then want the results of what Mm -hmm. our scripture tells us and Mm -hmm. and what what scripture is trying to say to be a good Christian um, should look like. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times as people who read the Bible, study the Bible, um, and try to come from the Bible we're talking to uh, probably ninety ninety five percent of the people that we're talking to don't have a clue about the scriptures in the bible so mm-hmm. we're not we're not making milk as mm-hmm. we're not feeding milk to a, a lost community mm-hmm. of, of christians and it's not that they don't want to be it's just that i think and we talk about all the time the traditional church uh... Mm-hmm. what it was built upon It was built to me it was built upon uh, this this excitement and this this sermon and mm-hmm. this you know this music and uh mm-hmm. this pretty much a a theater mm-hmm. where you would go on on <clears> Sunday <throat> or if you were like me six days a week, <laughs> where church was so structured and so regimented and how we're going to make you a christian it didn't mm-hmm. it, it didn't really reach the core of the human being mm-hmm. and what I'm seeing from this church planning is now we're reaching the people much like scripture this you know described, and as you said, you know people mistook. You know, Jesus for a drunken and and mm-hmm. a, a thug, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in reality, we 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 have to get back to that to reach the masses mm-hmm. that we're trying to convert. Mm-hmm. You're
1: you're all talking about the same thing, which is something that interests me. I, actually, this came up in a conversation with a student I was meeting it, with at IEPI yesterday, yesterday, just yesterday at lunch, and we were discussing um, what he was hearing in his classes and so on. He introduced me to somebody I had never heard of before, and I wanted to mention him to you, and then kind of maybe we can riff off of this. But he was mentioning to me this uh, English guy. His name is David Mitchell. And David Mitchell does some very interesting stuff. He's an atheist secularist. But he has this video out there, and I'm looking at his face in this particular YouTube thing. It's about three, three and a half minutes long. And his thing is, there's a lot wrong with the world, isn't there? And he goes through this riff as a comedian. There's a lot wrong with the world, isn't there? And then he goes and tries to explain or or change or give some cause to it. And then he says, no, I can't do that. I just got to keep coming back to There's a problem in the world, isn't there? And and you all are talking about the same thing. And H.B.'s comment about the core of our human person is sinful. Uh, Let's talk about that aspect of this because, you know, quite frankly, I think, Generally, as Christians, we kind of shy away from this sin bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And how do we deal with this uh, in a culture that, frankly, doesn't want to hear it? I mean, -hmm. mean, we live in an American culture that doesn't want to hear about how bad, how wrong, how sinful we might be. Talk about how you
2: engage the sinfulness of humanity. You know, I think one of the things that, and this is certainly true of all of us, it's true of me, we're very quick to point the finger outward, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, whether it's, you want to point it to Washington, D.C., whether you want to point it to Wall Street, to the, the local school board, you know, your neighbor, your, your parents, your whoever, your spouse, we're really good at identifying other people's <laughs> sin. <Yeah. laughs> and we're really good at at, at <clears throat> reminding people of their sin. And, you know, this is what I have to remind myself. The problem starts here mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. So it's not the sin out there, it's the sin in here. Mm and so until we've dealt with the sin in our own lives mm. we shouldn't even be concerned with the sin mm. in the world because mm. it, the the problem is not going to be fixed out there mm. and the problem has to start with us mm. so it's always an, yeah
3: yeah uh, i think that's key to start with start with our the fact that we 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 speak as people who are are broken and and in the process of being healed and and one of the things that i find helpful to remind myself of is it's the it's the kindness and mercy of god that leads us to repentance that sin is slavery sin is deception and and so we you know we speak as people who have been recently been set free from our prison and we're we're you know preaching to the captives that mm. there's more than this there's more than this bondage that we that we found and it's a reminder you know as as we kind of going back to what we were just talking about and what john was alluding to um uh, sometimes we get caught up in in the fact that uh that the ministry of reconciliation that god is reconciling us to himself which is Mm -hmm. true that is Mm -hmm. certainly the most important truth but the fact is jesus has come to make all things new Mm -hmm. and and sin affects not just our relationship with god it affects our relationship with each other our relationships with our community and with Mm -hmm. with the world around us Mm -hmm. and and god has come to redeem all of that Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times when if we can meet people where they feel that tension the most in their relationship with other people or the relationship with their own in their own heart or the relationship with nature around them and then lead them to the point that that the answer to this is to be reconciled to God mm-hmm. and then God begins to bring healing and order and reconciliation to all of life that really helps people meet people where they are mm-hmm. you know that's great so, yeah, I I think
4: uh, when it comes to the topic of sin I think that it will never you're never going to be popular talking about (laughs) sin, ultimately, you just won't. Mm -hmm. And and I think that um, if we, I think there's a balance between, uh, I I don't believe that shame and condemnation is a kingdom tactic, I do not. I think that's a tool of the enemy, that's what the enemy does. Mm -hmm. However, I think that God doesn't ignore sin. Uh, I'm glad he didn't, he sent Jesus to deal with sin because he recognized it was a real issue and a real problem. Uh, the problem with our current dynamic is that you know i don't believe that when god when god designed us he didn't design us to be bearers of sin he designed us to be bearers of his image Mm -hmm. and there there's this um the the ants kind of the antidote to the sin argument right now in the culture is to say this isn't something i do this isn't something i've done this is who i am and so now sin Mm -hmm. Rather than um, to avoid dealing with it, we don't call it sin. We call it an illness. Mm. We call it a Mm -hmm. sickness. Mm -hmm. Or we go a step further and we say, this is who I am. Mm. And I think that that's the issue is because what God is saying is, what God has come to do is he's come to make new. He's come to redeem Mm -hmm. and he's come to restore. He's come to remove sin from us. Mm -hmm. So now rather than in a culture, it's like when you're preaching against Mm -hmm. sin, where it gets real personal is it's like no 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 now you're coming against me you're condemning me and I think that when it we we have to be able to illuminate like I gave this analogy uh, I love my upbringing I I don't begrudge it at all but there are some things that just came with living in a home that was built along like shortly after the ark. And one of the things we say is like, you know, and one of the things we say is like, you know, and one of the things we say is like, you know, and one of the things we say is like, you know, and one of the things we say is like, you know, and one of the things we say is like, you know, and one of the things we say is like, we had, you'd have a roach problem in the summertime or bug problem. And, and you know, the lights were out. we get up, you know, late at night to go get a drink of water. And as soon as I turned on the lights, you'd see the bugs scurrying in the cracks. <laughs> and I could leave it off, and 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 just so I don't have to see it, but I'd still hear the crunch. Mm. <laughs> but if I turn on the lights, at least it allow me to identify there's an issue mm. that we can deal with. We can get some roach bombs, we can do whatever so that we can actually deal with the problem and not just ignore it. And I mm. think that when it comes to our culture, you know what, we can try to ignore it. We can keep the lights off all we want, but we're just going to be crunching. We're going to be, it's not, the problem isn't going to go away. But I think if we can take the light of Jesus and illuminate it, you know, whenever Jesus exposes something, he didn't do it to shame. He did it to say, this is where my grace needs to be applied. There it is. And I think if we can do that, then we can genuinely love people without, you know, a, a pastor once said, he said, if we make little the debt owed, and we also make little the grace required mm-hmm. to deal with it. So
2: I, mean, I think if we believe the gospel is the good news, yeah, that means there has to be bad news. There has yeah. to be bad news. if so there's good, no bad man. news, then the gospel's just news. Yes, that mm-hmm. you can. Just t- take or take, leave. Take, take yeah. an or leave. It. Yeah. And so if you minimize the bad news, you're also minimizing by default the good news. There yeah. it is. Yeah. Now, see, we
0: can save some brothers from the hood. Mm-hmm. brother. I mean, you know, when you start, to, this is what I'm talking about, getting right mm-hmm. to it. Because mm-hmm. if you can start relating roaches and the lights coming on mm-hmm. to being a good <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, no. I mean, I'm being funny, but yes. I, I'm so serious yeah. because yeah. the reality is we have to reach the people where they are. And I not I connected so well because my grandmother had a house like that. Mm -hmm. You know, roaches all the time and Mm -hmm. I mean now the spirit of the Lord is coming in. <laughs> <here. laughs> because there's a connection, you know, a connection to the yeah. grace. I mean, but yeah. but if we don't get to that, much like you're saying Zionsville and Noblesville, man, mm-hmm. you gotta reach those people on mm-hmm. what they understand. Take one of their cars away.
5: Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying?
0: And they, you know, take that big about old two thousand of that five thousand square yeah. foot yeah. house away and now we might understand what you know, right. the, but we have to get to the culture of the people we're serving yes. and, and mm-hmm. who we're talking yeah. to. And mm-hmm. that was that was good. But well, HB, just to go
4: off of your point, and even just sitting on what was previously said, you know, you talked about, you know, we're talking to a, you know, we're pastors talking mm-hmm. to a culture that's very unchurched or many times, or I would say not necessarily unchurched, because you got a lot of people that have been church, but they don't read their Bible. They're yeah. not versed. When the disciples and Jesus were talking to a people, we, they didn't have the canonized scripture that we have oh, now.
5: Yeah.
4: You know, and really what it was is just like we're trying to do now is he so where are you? Where are the people? And now how do we connect the stories and the and, and, and the scripture and the scrolls at the time? How do we adapt them to connect to every person? I think that, that, you know, when we talk about how do you preach, um, again, it's not just we're not just preaching to a wall, we're not just preaching to a blob. You know, we really have to look and uniquely say, How do we connect with this person and that person? And sometimes it's not just preaching in terms of our verb verbiage. Sometimes it's you know, it is multimedia, it's using different things. To communicate the message, I mean, even you know whether you know we're talking on a radio platform right now. I mean, this is a vehicle that maybe is not the traditional vehicle, Absolutely. uh... mixed with jazz music to communicate <laughs> this message, but it's going right? to reach some people, right? People, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And, and that's the goal. That's the mission. And uh, you know, Mark, this is phenomenal. Uh, we we have to get to understanding, you know, where our people are. That's right. You know, where are they? And where are they when we come to try to deliver this powerful word? I mean, Mm. this word saves lives. This Mm. word, you know, renews lives. And uh, we're too busy, you know, putting it in a can and hoping people, you know, like tuna, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm
1: -hmm. It it interests me because, you know, some of the guys here have been talking about the jazz. And, of course, that's what you do. And you've, you know, grown up with all of this. And in my house, it was the big bands. My, Mm -hmm. My interest in jazz, though, as it relates to these guys, is this, that jazz is so often a riff off a basic melody line. Mm-hmm. And we have a basic melody line. Mm-hmm. And that is the bad news, the good news, and here's Jesus who is the news. And now we have guys who are riffing that line in mm-hmm. Broad Ripple and in Zionsville and in Noblesville. And right here on this radio show, HB, yeah. you, uh-huh. man. You're oh, riffing. Riffy. You're a riffer, <laughs> man. Oh, check <laughs> you out. Yeah, yeah, this is good. And, and it's an important metaphor, I think, for all of us to think about in terms of pictorial form how we are doing this. There is one melody line and we are
0: all riffing off that line. Hmm.
1: I guess we need a break. I right, do. That was leave. beautiful.
0: <laughs> 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 I think I had to take it from some jazz system because you love me with Jesus on the mind. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site. Radio what an Next cool. Radio Next TV on the Cool Groove site. I had to dig deep and go straight to some, uh, you know, since we threw that jazz around. I think right. Stephanie turn her around and please uh, support a local artist here doing mm. some great things in the city. And if you need to book her and one of your revivals or running your functions Mm. get in touch with stephanie turner she's out there on itunes cd baby uh... dr mark we are having a very very intriguing conversation on Mm -hmm. uh... church planning and uh... Uh, before we get back into the second segment, you know, of course, I yeah. will look at all the things that you write and wish to talk mm. about. And one of the things I want to, uh, you know, especially clear up to the listening audience is the difference between church planting and just like church redevelopment. Because mm. a lot of times people will take their same doctrine, their same church, and then try to paint it a new color, but it's still that same church. Uh, what would the difference be? Between dropping in and saying, "Okay, we can ready to start a whole new movement, whole new Christian movement," versus partnering with a church and then kind of redeveloping this idea under that church doctrine—that's hmm. a fair question. Oh, hey, man,
1: the man took over here, so yeah. Yeah, go hey, <laughs> now, you know, you, you, you told me <laughs> you're, your so you're good. You're good, brother.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think um, when it comes to church planning, I'm. You know, I kind of look at it sometimes when you go to a nursery, like a plant nursery, and there's lots of, you know, you kind of have an idea of maybe the type of plants that you want to Mm -hmm. put in your garden. Um, And so it's not necessarily that you're recreating a completely different entity, but you're saying, you know, I want to take some of this, and I believe that, you know, this is going to produce some good fruit here. Sometimes it might be a combination of things, and so I think that you have some churches. Um, I'm uh, I'm a part of a family of churches that is called Every Nation Ministries that believes in church planning, campus ministry, and world missions, and so we have a very uh, unified uh, heart. But at the same time, our churches look very different. We got churches in. Corvallis, Oregon, and we got churches in Orlando, Florida. Worship style is different. Preacher style is different. And so we're not trying to reproduce the same thing, but there are some commonalities that when we're going, we're saying, let's go and let's start a new community in that. And so I think that, you know, there's all kinds of differences. You have some people that plant without, you know, a church planting organization. God's just giving them a burden. And they go plant, and then I think what's been happening recently, uh, particularly in the last few years, is the proliferation of campuses um, where it's kind of like planting, but it, it, it's a reproducing model. And I don't not knock knock it necessarily, but it's it's not necessarily a completely autonomous plant it's more of a site or satellite campus just like IUPUI has different satellite
0: campuses. does that make sense so that yeah. y'all, it makes a ton of sense yeah, yeah I
2: mean I think again I, I think most churches are going to be connected to some Something. other organization yeah. I mean I'm su- sure there are some that aren't but that's a hard that's a very hard very road. rare mm-hmm. you know our church we have a church planting network here in, in central Indiana we're part of the um, Presbyterian Church in America And so exactly what you said, you know, we're connected, we encourage one another, we share resources, but we look uh, vastly different on a Sunday morning Mm -hmm. based on the location, based on the style. And to me, that's, again, that's a picture of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not, we're not franchising and you know, We're not <laughs> dropping McDonald's in every community. Do exactly a strong the word out there. <laughs> right? you know, uh-huh. god sure, some preachers out there. <laughs> yeah. we, we we worship one God. We worship yeah. we're one in Christ. Mm. But there's diversity within that oneness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. I love meeting it's beautiful man pastors and missionaries and campus ministers and church planters from all over the world because you're connected through your heart, even if you don't speak the same language. Yep, yeah. you, you know, you can worship. In a language that you don't speak, but you are connected through the Holy Spirit. Mm. Mm. Mm.
3: Analyzing your cultural context ends up being a, a huge key Absolutely. component. You know, as we've been talking about the, the the core of what we're what we're speaking, the the message of the gospel doesn't change, but how you communicate to reach the people you're trying to reach does. And, and that's where sometimes, you know, I, I'm with uh, the Send Network uh, through the Southern Baptists, and uh, they've been talking recently about, you know, they've got some churches that the the context around them has changed. The church may have been there for fifty years, but the the neighborhoods changed, like you're Absolutely. talking about with you know the near North Side and and a Broad Ripple and whatnot. And so sometimes existing congregations have a hard time adapting to that. And so you know I just heard a story this past week of a a congregation you know twenty older folks who own the building, and and so their way of of solving this was basically to say, you know what, if you'll just let us do what we like to do with our hymns down in the basement you can plant a brand new church mm. in our in our oh, wow, sanctuary that's cool and yeah. so now they have two <laughs> churches meeting at the same time in this that's place great. and and they've brought in a church planter who has the advantage of having a building mm. uh given to him who now is is analyzing his context and figuring out how do i reach this neighborhood that you know this this older congregation has kind of been passed by yeah um so i mean it it requires creativity and and the ability to go in and say okay lord what are you doing here now and how can we partner with you in what you're doing
1: yeah this uh, franchising man uh,
0: yeah i mean we could riff off of that right we could we could riff uh, about three more weeks off of yeah (laughs) i mean seriously because that's you know that's a problem i think in in trying to get people to authentically uh come to the church with their hearts open is what they see a lot of times in that movement um you know and it is a movement right. um teach their own i just don't think that, that was the intention of mm-hmm. uh what Christ had in mind when he said okay go out and reach the masses um and try to bring them to this word i i, I just don't think that was mm-hmm. it in my personal mm-hmm. belief but that's a conversation for another day. I do, <laughs> I do have some listeners out there that yes. are franchise owners of churches, uh-huh. and I love sure. y'all. Yeah. Man, you, well, know. you know, what you say, it is mm. it is
4: it is challenging. Well, the key word that you said is authentic, right? Because mm, yes. um, you, you think of Paul and Timothy's dynamic. You know, when Paul sent Timothy, his communication was me sending Timothy is just as good as me sending myself mm-hmm. because he's my disciple. He we, He shares the same heart. You know, same passion, and so it was a dynamic that you knew that what you were going to get from Timothy was not going to be carbon copy, because he was going to have his own authentic take. But it was going to be very similar. Mm-hmm. And I think that that we always have to maintain that balance. That's one of the things. I, when I was so, when I was a, a young worship leader, I spent 16 years as a worship pastor. And and I was so paranoid about messing up. I was like, whatever the, my mentor did, I'm gonna do that. And when I would literally, if I would lead a song that he led, I'd lead it with every fill that he led because I knew they liked that. And his wife came up to me one day and he and she said, John, you do a good job, but we don't need you to impersonate my husband. Hmm. And she said, you you you've got to sing the song the way that God wants to that song to be sung through you. And I think that that's, that's part of it, is like, you know what, there might be, especially if you're planted out of a similar church, there might be certain stylistic things that that look alike. But I think at the same time, we want to be in imitators, ultimately, of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have, we'll have you know, it's like, I look like my daddy. If you see my daddy, and you look at me, you're like, that is John Owen's son. Mm-hmm. At the same mm-hmm. time, we're different and we're unique. And I think that that, if, if we can maintain that, even if there are some similarities and You know, with the franchise model or not, is like as long as we can do so with authenticity before the Lord
2: and imitate Jesus ultimately, you know, Mm -hmm. then praise be to God. You know, one of the things I'm aware of as we plant churches is this work will never be done. Mm -hmm. And any individual church will have a a birth date and there's going to be an expiration date or a death date. And I think you kind of hit on that with... Mm -hmm. You know, there are churches that the community changes, but they don't. Mm. And that's the end of that church. Yeah. yeah. That, and and so this task is, God's church is eternal, but we're always needing new churches, new expressions, mm-hmm. new- Excellent. New generations of yeah. of authenticity. Well,
3: you can go to Asia Minor, Turkey now, and, and go to the places where Paul planted the first churches, and they're not there anymore. Mm. <laughs> you know, the fact of the matter is, uh, I, I would even probably, you know, speak into what you're saying a little bit. The kingdom is what's eternal. Right. Yeah. Some, the, yeah. the, the, the church is mm. is a tool of the kingdom, and mm. eventually the, there will not no longer be a reason for the church because it'll all be kingdom. Right. So you know, right now we know that a church that exists past five years has an average lifespan of ninety years, mm. um, which is a lot like us as individuals. And so, mm. us as humans, we realize that if we if we want to leave a legacy, we have to reproduce, mm. and it's the same for churches. Um, and so that—that that I think is one of the main arguments for church planting. We we have to multiply churches because the context is constantly changing, and and the the, the tools we need to reach that context mm. have to change with it. Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, when we talk about
0: principle, be a tree planted by the river when it comes to fashion, be willing to change, so mm, to speak, yeah. and, and the fashion of the church has changed dramatically from what I've witnessed in my low 58 years, and so to to identify, you know, who I am as a Christian now versus 20 years ago is different as well, so we have to, yeah. you know, we have to be conscious of that, and, uh, mm. you know, th- this is incredible. Yeah, this is a,
1: a very important and interesting idea that, that you're bringing up here about churches having an expiration date and a start date. I am really fascinated to bring up something I think it was you McKeel who talked to me about this. Uh the idea that Indianapolis is a place that desperately needs church plants. And mm-hmm. it was all based on demographics and quantitative research. Yeah. Uh do you know where I'm going with that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Would
1: you go ahead and kind of give us a little bit of lay of the land of that and sure. help us to understand why it's so imperative that churches be planted in Indianapolis?
3: Sure. Yeah. So uh Someone in my network basically kind of analyzed a number of the major cities. We have They've identified 32 send cities that they're really trying to uh, improve church planting in. And, and their question was, based on what's currently in place, how long would it take this market to reach a saturation point that you see, like, say, in the Bible Belt of one church for every 4,000 people? Mm. Um, so there's a lot of churches out there where, you know, like L.A., Baltimore, Washington, D.C., where we know there's a huge need. They're, they're growing, you know, at an exponential rate. And yet it's a known need, and there's, there's church planting networks already in place. And so these church, these places you're talking about anywhere between 60 and 300 years at the current rate of ch- ch- churches are being planted to get to that level of saturation. But then you get to Indianapolis, and um, we're growing at the same rate as a lot of those cities, but there isn't as much of a perceived need yeah. here. Um, just because everybody's like, well, it's, it's in the Midwest, it's right outside the Bible Belt, you know, why would you go to Indianapolis to plant a church? And so, consequently, um, in this study, they found that it, you're looking at 1,452 years mm. that it would take at the current rate <laughs> in which churches are being planted in Indianapolis to reach that level of saturation.
1: And do you think that we ha- needed a program on church planting here in Indianapolis? <laughs> 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 I mean, seriously, when you stop to think about just the numbers, that when you first told me that, I think that my eyes must have doubled in size. Yeah, you know, it was really quite something to hear that. So when I think about this kind of idea, it always forces me. And I'm just such a believer in this little uh, latent phrase that Paul has in Romans 15:20 that I'm not interested in building on somebody else's foundation. So I realize that we've talked about the humility aspect. Now we're talking about the authenticity aspect. So how is it? that you go into a place and you have this in the back of your mind, Romans 15, 20. I don't want to build on anybody else's foundation. Talk about how you think that through and how you actually practice both the humility and the authenticity of what that means in your individual lives.
4: When I look at that scripture, one of the things that this stands out to me and, and one of the things I really appreciated from gleaning with Paul is I think Paul had a very strong sense of mission and calling. He knew he was called to reach, to go after the Gentile. He was called to go after the unreached world, and I think that every pastor or planter, or whatever you know, it's like after a while you, you're a planter, and then at some point you're just a regular pastor, and you know, thank God. Uh, <laughs> you're like, thank you, Jesus. Um, uh, but, but each person you have to have, I think, a strong sense of calling. What. What is the burden? Who are the people that God's called me to? Um, because just trying to carbon copy somebody else's burden is not going to work. That's just not sustainable. And when, when as I was praying specifically about coming to Indianapolis, one of the things that I think the Lord has just helped me to see is. Uh, There's various demographic studies done here and population studies. I think I I saw a study at one point that said there was approximately, they estimated by (laughs) 2017 in the metro area of Indy, there'd be about 2.2 million people. Um, And that in that, about 1.7 of the 2.2 were not connected to a local church. And so when I see that number, I think, Lord, surely there's some grouping of people in that 1.7 that you've called me to go and love and bring the grace of god of, of jesus to and so that's where i believe i'm not um i think again we talk about the kingdom i think we we're building we're all building essentially on the chief cornerstone which is christ but i think that there's something special and unique about saying god what is the burden that you've given me who are the people that you've given me and then how do we do that? One of the things that I was really blessed to have the opportunity to do when I was a kid is um, I got to uh, was able to sing with the Indianapolis Children's Choir, you know, for several years, and had kind of a once in a life, lifetime opportunity to go on a tour uh, to England, and we went to Canterbury Cathedral and Westminster Abbey and all these beautiful cathedrals. And one of the things that stood out to me as a kid was seeing these just incredibly ornate stained glass windows, and they would tell the stories of the gospel as you would look. But if you really look at a stained glass window, it's really various shaped, cut, and colored pieces of glass that have different... If you just took any individual one of them apart, you would just say, what are you doing with that little broken piece of glass? But when you put them together and you begin to look back at the whole... It actually tells the story of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that with us in this community, with all of our unique things, you know, the the three of us here at this table, the five of us here at this table, and all the other church planners, is the key is saying, God, how are you wanting to color me? How are you wanting to cut me and shape me so that when people look at the whole of the body, they see the story of God in the city of Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think is it's like, I don't wanna, I'm not trying to compete with you. I'm not trying to, to be your piece of glass. I'm trying to say, God, let me be faithful to my piece of the picture of the kingdom.
2: Yeah, you know, one of the things I love is in, in the gospels they refer to Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. a specific place mm-hmm. and, and other people would identify him by his accent the way he spoke. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're, we have eternal souls, but we belong in a specific place. And you know, I think about Noblesville, it's not a community that I feel our church needs to rescue or save that we can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's my community and I want a strong community in Noblesville because mm. if there's a strong Nobles community there, it's, it's gonna benefit me, it's gonna benefit my family and my neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you have to become a part of that community. Yeah. You don't Just ride in and I think you kind of alluded that with some inner city missions work where they just yeah. ride in and, and with this mentality, we're gonna save you and go home and be home for dinner by five. Right, <laughs> right, right. So you've gotta live in that See you community. Next year. <laughs> you, you know, you have to shop in, in the, the stores and eat in the restaurants and, and breathe and, and be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And everybody's, gonna, everybody's life is going to look a little different. Our mm-hmm. lives are right now kind of wrapped up in our three children. So mm-hmm. we're, you know, on Saturdays we're at youth sports and <laughs> we're at part of the schools because that's where our children are. And so our foundation mm-hmm. is different than, than other foundations. Sure, I, I couldn't build on another foundation because that's not who I am.
3: Yeah. You know, Mark, fundamental to this whole discussion is, is I think, the rest of that, that verse that you quoted. Uh, Paul says in, in Romans 15 to 20, he says, It's always been my ambi- ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. And I think that's one of the big fears that the established church has, is, and sometimes it's a well-founded fear, is that uh, church plants are going to be, you know, Growing on the on the coattails of you know people who are are leaving the existing churches for something that 's new and exciting and and that they 're just shuffling sheep. Mm. Um. And so that the the basic thing about not building on someone else's foundation, I think, at the fundamental level is going after people who don't have a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, people who, you know, they're not going to go, you know, it, they moved to the area, they, they haven't found a church yet, they don't have a value to go out and find a church. So you go and find them
5: mm-hmm. and build
3: a relationship with them. You know, and, and so I, I live in a neighborhood, uh, it's a development of 700 homes. You know, if I could reach 10% of those, I got I got a whole church right there just out of my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've already met 10 families that attend other local churches. Mm-hmm. And one of my passions as a disciple maker is to, to help them become the best disciple makers they can be for their churches. I don't want to steal them from their churches. I want them to become more effective servants of God in their churches mm-hmm. and uh, and. Because when the when the the water level raises in the entire kingdom of God, every church benefits. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah.
4: Not just to piggyback on what you are saying, man. Is, is especially we talk about you know going where Christ is not known. I think that in and of itself is a whole another deal because you have a an image of Christ that is maybe known, but many mm-hmm. people don't right. know the real you Christ. You know, caricature. it's like it, it, it took. It it took me a while in my young uh, upbringing before I discovered that Velveeta was not real cheese. Uh, You know, there's imitation cheese, bro. I went, I tell you, I I went to a wedding when I was uh, uh, about 12 years old and saw these little squares of, of cheese. And I was like, what is this? And somebody told me, I was like, man. This is this is cheese, yeah. you know. This is the real deal. Yeah. I, I, I had my little uh, my little grass cutting job. I said, man, when I get enough money, I'm gonna go up. I walked up to the Kroger on 16th Street and went in and got me a, some
0: sharp cheddar, a uh, block, a <laughs> uh, block,
4: and I sat on my porch eating that real cheese, yeah. man. And the thing is, it's like we've got so much imitation Jesus Amen. being peddled and promoted that it, it's it's actually when people taste. Mm-hmm. It was, it was "Taste and see the real Christ." It's yeah. like, wait a second. I I thought I knew because maybe I grew up in a religious er, religious area. I mean, I think where you were talking about McNeil with the Midwest is like it's mm-hmm. there's a religiosity, but you know, or even a niceness. I think if anything, you know, sometimes we think of New York and we think of the East Coast. We think of this harshness. Oh, surely they need the gospel. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, we're we're gonna. Who's your hospitality is not the gospel, right? Amen. Yeah, you know. Well, you,
0: well, you know what's interesting. You know that's when you know the spirit of the Lord is working because my next question was going to be, when you're dealing with an audience who doesn't know Christ, and and, and you've got the wolves out here. You know the wolves are going to be coming now that this seems to be in vogue. We're planting mm. churches mm. in your neighborhood, yeah. the false prophets that will come in oh, to amen. try to yeah. to lure the sheep with this contaminated milk. Mm. Uh, How do we ward against that? Uh, Is there a way to ward against that? I mean, they can go to the building (laughs) and still get the same, you know, uh, faulty treatment and the same, you know, uh, tainted word. But Mm -hmm. uh, now with this being one of those issues where we're trying to reach a people who are are definitely not versed
2: in Scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we have an image of the early church as this pure, group of people <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> but you know if you read particularly like first and second timothy you know paul's talking about yeah pastors who were teaching heresy yeah. and and that's been a part of you know well you can look at jesus in the 12 you know that mm-hmm. whole time he was mm-hmm. walking with judas yeah mm-hmm. and you know judas uh, obviously was part of them but wasn't one of them and so that is i mean christ told us that's going to happen yeah mm-hmm. uh so, I think the first step is simply to be aware of it and mm-hmm. and have eyes to see it and um, it, but it's a part it's okay. a part of it I, for mean, sure. yeah. I mean yeah. it won't be
0: an easy question to answer no. because no. I mean, we deal with it every day, and as I mentioned, we deal with it in your mainstream churches, mm-hmm. traditional churches yeah. as well, but um I know going in now as we try to go into communities who, as you mentioned out of uh what was it thirty uh, got seventeen thousand people or whatever yep. in a community that right, might not right. have ever heard, so or 1.7 million that might not have ever heard yeah. Yeah. that leaves a lot of room for the vultures to go mm. prey on so.
3: well and I think that church plants can be especially vulnerable to that because yep. uh, some, sometimes those people say well here's an opportunity for me to get on the ground floor and create something that, that fits what I want um, and so we have to be, you know I like what John said about church planting being a full contact sport, I mean there's <laughs> going to be difficult conversations and you have to be discerning um, and there, there's going to be times when you have to um, say, you know what, uh, y- you're not you're not helping us do what God's called us mm-hmm. to do, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to have to ask you to move and, along. You know, and Christians can be tough too. Yeah. So yeah. We might not yeah.
0: just go get our, you know, go get gangster style and run them out of the community if they, get, you know, start well, trying to. Yeah. Mess with I mean, sheep. it was
4: the re- religious the religious sect of the time, the Pharisees yes. that were, you know. Trying to get the lynch mob out, you know, mm-hmm. after yeah. Jesus, and and you know, I think the tough thing is, and I think any of any of us, you know, you know that particularly in ministry and life, at a lot of times, but especially I found in ministry, we have an adversary, Amen. who is the accuser of the brethren, and so that means that we could be faithfully serving the Lord, but He wants to get a hold of that spin so that he can come and he can tear down. I mean, it's just like, it's amazing the things that not not even a generation ago, if you were to talk about wanting to have healthy marriages, you know, and and healthy families, particularly within the African-American community, to talk about, you know, the importance of supporting healthy families and having a mother and a father in the home. Now you can support these same efforts, but depending on how the spin is, you could, be spewing hate mm. uh, if you try to define family as a mother, oh, father, yeah, and so on and so forth. So things that are just really like wholesome and fundamental now, the spin the accusation.
0: But you and could one, lose like, an election. right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, how about that? Or
4: you could lose a voice in the community. <laughs> exactly. Right? And, and I think that to a certain extent, you know, even, you know, you look at the scripture of Simon the Sorcerer, right? Simon the mm. Sorcerer, kind of opportunistic kind of guy, he sees... Man, these guys got a following, they're operating in power, man, I could, if I could get a hold of that power, mm-hmm. I could do some things with that. And I think that over time, that's where it, it, we have to think with the long game.
5: Mm-hmm, you
4: know, mm-hmm. it's like at some point, point. Um, and my prayer is, you know, I know that there's going to be people, especially now in the age of social media, man, if you post, you know, somebody could post a couple things uh, negative about you that are completely out of context and completely false but if they have enough of a following they can t- take you down definitely but nobody can argue with fruit mm. and if you have a reputation of being faithful and loving people and serving people there's got ten five ten years down the line in Jesus mm-hmm. name that mouth that was trying to shut you down may be the very mouth that is looking at people who say man I don't know what you're talking about they love my mama My cousin, they're they're loving people all the time, and then you know God God is our defender. So I think you know we it can be so tempting. And I'm a I'm a competitive guy. My wife and I are first born, so we like to have nice spicy conversations in the home. But and so my when especially when I see injustice, my my knee jerk reaction be like, man, we got to set that straight. (laughs) <laughs> and what I've learned is so often, you know, it's like James Peter. You know, yeah. Peter, he's like, "Let me go lop somebody's ear off." <laughs> yes, yeah, you I know? was, was learning around with a sword. <laughs> you know, and meanwhile, man, Jesus was so secure because
0: mm-hmm. he knew the long game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like,
4: "I got this. Just, just keep loving people, mm-hmm. being faithful."
0: Yeah. Is this it? We're gonna take one last. We got to take a we break. We want to close this out effectively, and we want to make sure that the gentlemen get a chance to uh, share where they're planting their churches if someone's interested in planning uh, a church in another community uh, they might have a community all their own that they think that you know that the seed needs to be pure in that community where those branches will be pure mm-hmm. and let
5: me go on scripture on y'all <laughs> I'm sorry I just read a little bit but no we're going to come
0: right back this is Warping wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site RadioNex.tv on the Cool Groove site as we prepare to come to an end of this great, great show, man. Mm-hmm. This has been unbelievable. We have mm-hmm. planted some seeds today, Dr. Mark. Yes, as always, you hit it out the park again. Oh, my you're too good, man. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. We're really happy that you guys have been here today. We want to give you an opportunity. Uh, HB's last word there was uh, very important. And to give you an opportunity about uh, to tell folks about where you're at. Uh, what part of the community that you're in. Give us addresses, emails, uh, phone numbers, whatever uh, you all want to do. And then uh, connect this to uh, a focal point of doing good in your community. Where is it uh, that you see uh, folks in your church doing good in the community?
2: Yeah, um, we meet in, in Noblesville. We're meeting at Legacy Christian School, which is off of Lakeview Drive, 470 Lakeview Drive. Uh, we meet at uh, 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Uh, The best way to reach me so we're in the process of creating websites and all of these things so we don't actually have a website now, but um, You can reach me on my phone, which is three one seven three four five four zero three nine And I think that question of you know, how do you doing good in in a neighborhood? one of the things we talk about is we want to be respectful of all of the the groups, whether they're Christian or not, who have invested in our community for generations and Mm -hmm. generations. And particularly, I think, as a church plant where we have a handful of adults and a whole bunch of kids Um, There the tendency is you can try to do too much too soon And so what we're we're doing is we're actually trying to identify those groups Mm. That are doing good and Mm. and to come alongside them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had the opportunity last week my wife and I attended a a Young Life banquet in Noblesville, which Mm. was uh, a Wonderful thing for me. I became a Christian through Young Life and so it was kind of this full circle of the reason I'm planting a church in many ways is is because of what took place 25 years ago at a Young Life Mm. camp when I was in high school. Mm. And to hear, have these high school kids come up and share their testimony as we're sitting there eating dinner instantly reminded me of sharing my testimony as a high school kid. Mm. And so I saw this group as um, going into the schools, going into the junior high schools, going into the, the high school and bringing the gospel, just loving students, whether they um, are from a church background or not, these these kids want to be loved with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think the statistics of all of the unchurched people in, in Indianapolis, it's skewed towards the, the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the younger generation are the ones who are, they're not leaving the church. They've never been in the church. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And they don't know, uh, they don't even know where to go to, to look and ask. And mm-hmm. so that's something that, that, it makes my heart beat and say how can we not just love the students in the kids in our church but love that the generation the young generation outside of the church.
1: Okay. Uh, so this is uh, Keith Doan in Noblesville. Your phone number one more time.
2: Uh, 317-345-4039. We're a living branch church meeting at Legacy Christian School at 10, 10 o'clock on Sundays.
1: And of course, as always, if anybody has any questions about the guests that we've had in, some of you message me, text me, whatever, after the program, during the program, uh, happy to reconnect you with any of the folks that are here today or anytime time uh, that we've had them on air. McKeel, uh, tell us about where you're at and specifics, numbers, and all those good things.
3: Sure. Yeah, we're, uh, we're on the west side of Zionsville, so we're not in the downtown area. We're uh, where 865 and 65 uh, intersect, uh, right behind the, the Lows there. Uh, our, our community that we're targeting is the, is the Royal Run uh, development there and uh and i'm not gonna give you my address because we're meeting in my house right now but uh, <laughs> but if you want to if you want to contact me you can reach me at 616-510-8216 and uh, our church is sundance community church and uh and we are definitely looking for opportunities to connect within our community i've already met with the school administrators uh, where my kids attend uh, at z west and um and just they they're it's a good school district they're looking for ways to create what they call webs of support um they they've you know done these studies and talked about how every kid needs five solid adults who are you know pouring into their lives creating a a support network for them and um you know there's a lot of kids out there that even in a in a uh in a family oriented you know solid neighborhood they they might may not even have two Solid parents, mm. um, and so there's there's a lot of opportunity for building into kids' lives and uh, meeting them where they where they feel that need, and just you know l- loving them. Yep. Um, and then we're also you know some of how we interact with the community is shaped by our own personal um, mm-hmm. gifts and uh, and affinities, and and so I, I used to be a residential builder, and uh, so we're looking for opportunities to do some some real tangible things in terms of helping people mm. with. Uh, with needs on their home or in their yard. And one of the things that uh, I'm excited about right now is we're talking with another church um, that is taking a, a, an old house that they own right next to the church parking lot, and they're converting it into a, a medical, residential medical facility for unwed mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're talking with them about helping our people get connected to help renovate that home mm-hmm. and get that ministry set up. All right. So hopefully that will have a big impact in our community. That's great. That's uh, McKeel Bowden. And
1: McKeel, one more time, your phone number?
3: It's area code 616-510-8216. One of
1: the things uh, that you emphasize there that is really important is that we base what we do oftentimes on our own giftedness, the things mm-hmm. that God's given us to do. Um, I tell people that my responsibility here is uh, this show – My responsibility is communication, HB and I, you know, we're brothers in that sense too, that we believe in communication is so inherently important that we get the the word out to folks. Uh, So in my case, you know, you stick a microphone in front of me, and I'm good to go. So there it is, you know. So John Owens, last but not least. uh, John, tell them about where you're at, phone number, connections, all that good stuff. Uh, Yes,
4: you can contact me at 317-719-0530. You can also email me at john, that's J-O-N, at cityoflights.church. Our website is cityoflights.church, and then we're also – uh, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter under at City Lights Indie, um, yeah, and we are meeting right now at the Landmark Movie Theater uh, in Glendale Mall, right next to the Target uh, there in Broad Ripple, and um, we meet at nine o'clock, nine a.m. So come come early. We got hot uh, hot coffee and donuts, um, but yeah, we're we're super excited, and and one of the things that we're excited about is uh, my background. Uh, I was heavily involved in the performing arts growing up in the arts community from Headback Theater uh, down in that old north side to also being a part of the uh, performing arts program at Lawrence Central High School as a member of Central Sound, and uh, shout out to Spirit of Central out there. But um, my wife and I both have a deep heart and passion for the arts. We believe Mm -hmm. that um, the first introduction of God in Scripture is that he is a creator. He Mm -hmm. created. And not only did he create, but everything he created he called good. Mm. And I think too often, many times, the arts uh, in the context of the church are labeled bad. Yes. And so that's one of the things in terms of good that we want to do in the community is really tapping into particularly a lot of the young artists who are trying to discover how is it that I take this passion that God has given me and use it in a way right. that can do good. And right. so whether it's... Uh, we do look to have a uh, host and arts camp over the summer, mm-hmm. uh, but also partnering with different high schools, whether it be Broad Ripple, which is right in our community, which is an incredible performing arts magnet school, yep. but then also Heron. We have a couple of students from Heron High School. Mm-hmm. just really begin to pour into some of these young artists uh, and help them understand how they can use their art and their gifting. Mm-hmm. They don't have to, you know, uh, there's the old adage when I would watch the behind the music, where there would always be this line that said, Well, they started in the church
5: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and
4: I, I think that there's something to be said about the church not being a place where people start or they can that God is the author and the finisher of our mm-hmm. faith and our creativity. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, he, he people can come as they used to in the early church and actually come to the church to become incredible painters and orators and writers and musicians and so that's really
1: our passion that's one of the things we believe we're really glad you're there john one more time your phone number for folks 317-719-0530. One of the uh things that we i wanted to just tag on really quick about the issue of the arts is that uh the hebrew word for good in genesis one is uh sometimes better translated as beautiful mm. and i love that concept that's and i love the fact that you're doing the arts and uh I'll come down and do devotionals for you in the summertime. Come on, you know, I, I mean, love it. Yeah, man. <laughs> Invite me down. We'll talk about some Hebrew down there in the city. Yeah. Well, we are really glad to have been with you again this week at Warp and Woof Radio. Next week we have Gene Dullen coming in. Uh, Gene and I are going to be talking about the issue of unity, uh, not only in the city but specifically in the church and between Christians. And then a a real great opportunity, Andy Hunt, Pastor Andy Hunt, is coming in on April 12th, just before Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to be talking about the importance of the resurrection. Andy Hunt, Pastor Andy Hunt, on the 12th of April. You've been listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we are anxious to get to know who you are, so hit us up on social media, follow me on Facebook, that's uh, Mark at Mark Eckel, Instagram, uh, Twitter. You can find me most everywhere. Uh, we're happy to connect with you. Also, Harold H.B. Bell, who is my uh, wonderful sidekick here on this program, my partner and my brother. Mm-hmm. And as always, Mom, we love you out in Denver, and I'll we'll look forward to talking to you about 10 minutes from now. Warp and Move Radio, Indianapolis, Indiana, here God again next week. Talk to you on then. My campus. This is how one Cominius Institute student sees our work at IUPUI. Hi, I'm Dr. Mark Eccle. Multiple studies show that 75% of Christian young people may leave the church altogether after attending public universities. One of the key ingredients to maintaining Christian faith commitment through college is personal, spiritual investment in students. We are committed to spending time with Christian young people. The Cominius Institute, where Christian wisdom and college life meet.